1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Did you know that my first English word was the word tortoise?
0: <laughs> no, I did not know that. Can you share some context, please?
1: Well... I grew up in England, but with my parents both speaking Dutch at home, I spoke Dutch as a, you know, baby, as much as a baby speaks. And so when I think I was like two or three or something, like I went to a childminder in the morning for at least a couple of days a week, and she had a pet tortoise. And I only spoke Dutch words, but I had never seen a tortoise before. And I certainly didn't know the Dutch word for it, which by the way, is schilpot. Obviously. So that was a word that I learned. And that kind of navigation of family and the outside world and the words that we learn and the language that we speak and the way our identity is mixed up with that language really sits at the heart of the conversation that we had with him today so let's dive into the conversation
0: i'm vanessa zoltan
1: and i'm casper Turkal.
0: and this is the real question
1: Today, we're joined by Hima in South Carolina. And Hima is a third-year medical student on her first week of clinical rotations and is a big reader and knitter. And we're so glad to have you with us. Welcome, Hima.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Hima, I don't have many relatives or, or friends that talk to me regularly about their work in the medical field. And so I don't know what the reputation is about internal medicine, which is where you've just started. I know, like, surgery is for the, like, alpha gross people who want to just be bossy and earn a lot of money. <laughs> well, and obviously these are these are not truths, right? They're like reputations, or stereotypes. So, what is the the stereotype for internal medicine?
2: So internal, I feel like there are two different ones because you can do either inpatient or outpatient. Uh-huh. I feel like inpatient internal is like your hospitalist. I feel like they're very cerebral, like mm. very academic mm. because these are the people who have like really complicated cases and they have to like constantly be thinking about differentials and like all of the possibilities that could be. So they have to like wow. really be on top of knowing all of the recent studies and like they're like very, very learning oriented
1: That's beautiful. Mm. I I hope that's going to be a good fit. You strike me as someone who's very intelligent. So I think this will be- Oh,
2: thank you. This is just my first one of like, we have to do like seven different ones. And honestly, internal has been really fun so far. I'm really interested in family right now. So I would definitely have to be good at internal medicine to be able to do family medicine too.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you for taking a little time away from the rotations of internal medicine Tell us a little bit about what the question is that brought you here.
2: Yeah, so to give a quick intro, like I come from a family of, of immigrants. So my my question is really about like trying to connect with that culture and specifically the language. So my parents moved here when I was about two years old. And so by the time I was two, I was actually like already Talking a little bit and like talking in our native language, which is called Telugu. And by that time, like I was like two and a half. So I went to preschool. And in preschool, um, my teachers, they kind of talked to my parents who were like, We need you to speak English at home mm. because she's kind of like speaking not English here. And so we need her to like catch up. And so you need to speak English at home. Mm. So then, like, the dynamic became in the home that my parents would talk to me in, like, kind of a mixture of Telugu and English. And I would just, like, respond back in English. So that's been the dynamic my whole life. In the past, I've like there have been a couple of attempts to, like, try to learn more. My dad actually teaches Telugu to, like, children in the community. He did when I was a child, and he does that now. But it never really stuck for me. And I have a lot of, like, guilt mm. around that. Especially because I feel like it has maybe hindered some of my family relationships. My dad is actually a poet in Telugu. So even though I have like a casual understanding, like I can have a conversation, like I can get around. uh, I can talk to my relatives in India on like a superficial level, but like to understand poetic language or more really relevant cultural things that or maybe things that aren't like a one-to-one translation, right, from like English to Telugu are harder for me. So with all of that, and especially with the kind of difficulty in kind of relating to some parts of my family or in feeling like judged by my family, which has really hindered trying to learn the language later in life, like when I would go to India when I was like 14, and i can't speak the language and they're like why can't you why can't you speak it like oh you're too western or something like that i have an accent when i do try to speak it so it never really felt i don't know i never felt completely like encouraged and supported to learn it so it was hard to really like really get that motivation mm. to do it so right now i'm in a spot where obviously i like can't learn the language right now like like we said like i just started clinical rotations like i'm not really a, at a point to do that right now but like i've always wondered if eventually i should mm. like and i guess my question is do i even actually really want to or do i just feel guilty about not having done that over the course of my life so far
1: mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I know Vanessa and I have our own experiences with this question as well. So it's a familiar one. Hima, is there anyone in your family or, or more broadly, or your your community with whom speaking Telugu would allow a deeper relationship? Like I know sometimes, whether it's grandparents or other figures in, in a family who maybe don't speak English, like is there, is there any communication barrier or is this, that doesn't really apply in this situation?
2: I feel like with my grandmother, especially, like I kind of really superficial talks on the phone. It's just like, how are you? How's your health? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> how do we say
1: internal medicine in Telugu? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's just like, <laughs> and then I just start speaking in English and hope a relative like translates. Yeah. So that for sure. And then obviously I just love to be able to like read my dad's poetry. There are a lot of things. I think my dad, my dad and I, we have a complicated relationship. Like I, I love him for sure, but we like don't agree yeah. on like most things I would say. So I'm like, it would be really interesting to like read, his like what does he write about? Mm. I feel like that would be very fascinating to like, maybe I'd be able to relate with him and maybe I'd be able to like find a different way mm. to, to like tell him where I'm coming from.
1: That's really beautiful.
0: How often would you say it feels bad that you don't speak? The Lugu. Maybe like a couple of times a month. Hmm. Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's often enough for it to feel shitty. Yeah. I get that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so why wouldn't you learn the Lugu? Like, yeah, you're in medical school now and then you're going to have residency. So you're busy for the next five years, but then your life will come down a little bit. Why not just be like, yeah, that's when you'll hire a tutor and really work on this.
2: I feel like there's something about, like, choosing to learn as an adult that, like, really scares me. Mm. I'm really worried that I just, like, I've waited too long. I won't be able to, like, really have that, like, attachment to it. And even if I do learn now, sometimes it doesn't feel like my family will be, like, supportive of, like, me trying to learn now. It's more that, like, no, you should have learned it, like, a while ago. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And do you feel like you need your family support in order to thrive in learning it? Or could it be like, I've studied and now I'm at the next family reunion and here I am. I'm fluent (laughs) and booyah. I think that would be the more fun option.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Reveal. Because
2: then the day-to-day struggles are less visible, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's something really scary to me about like reinventing my identity, even though it seems like such a fun thing to do. And I think we all fantasize about like reinventing parts of our identity, um, especially parts that we're ashamed of and coming back to that. But that just feels like, so like everybody knows me as this person, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like honestly, within my Telugu community, it's like a part of my identity. It's just like, oh, like she doesn't speak. It, mm-hmm. so it feels really scary to change that even though it's something that I do want to change yeah. it feels really scary to just like no you can cross that off the list for for who I am right
1: who would you be if you did speak it
2: that's a great question because I was like oh I'll just be myself right but like part of the the reason reasoning for being like made fun of or whatever for not knowing the language is like, oh, now you're, like, too American, like, you're so Western-thinking. And there are parts that, like, I am, obviously, like, I grew up here. But, like, would speaking the language allow me to, like, take more of what I like from this culture, too? Or am I even going to find those things? Or are there things that I want to, like, separate myself from,
1: what, what I hear you saying is that it would be like a tool. It's like you're able to kind of pick the colors from the paint box and combine it with the colors from the American paint box. That yeah. would be you. And maybe it feels, is the paint box shut right now on the Telugu side?
2: Yeah. And I guess it's also that, like, that whole, like, changing identity thing. If I became the person, I was like, oh, she does speak now. Would they just, like, change the whole perspective, Mm. right? It's like, oh, now she's like a good Telugu speaking girl. And that's just like a whole different like personality. And it's like, no, I'm still, (laughs) I'm still who I am. I just like also do this now.
1: I'm still a bad girl, you can't make me good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but what, what are the things that you still are that you're worried would sort of disappear? I guess like, just like having a sense
2: of independence. I feel like mm-hmm. that that's something that's really, really important to me. It's something that's been like really hard to establish mm-hmm. in my life and still is very hard, even though I'm twenty six years old. So I feel like I don't this may be like my bad like for stereotyping, but I was just like, oh, if they like think I'm this person, they'll think that I'm like totally in line with this culture enough to just like listen to everything that they're saying yeah. without speaking my mind back.
0: Yeah. So it's like, you've drawn really good boundaries and like in your border negotiation with them, you've had to give up the lugu and you're like, Ugh, I wish I could have kept that, but I don't want to open this conversation and have to redraw all the borders. <laughs> That's so interesting. I've never been told I was
2: good at boundaries before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you are, but like, I know for me, like, I had to move 3,000 miles away from my family in order to not have to go to every bris, every bar mitzvah, every Shiva call. You know, I'm the only person in my family not partnered with a Jew. I love my family and I miss a lot of those things. And I'm sad when I'm not in town for certain bar mitzvahs, but like, it would be a huge concession to give up on any of those things, and so I totally hear you. Of like, if I suddenly was dating a Jew, right? Like, I could imagine them feeling like, "Aha, we're getting her back," and it's like, "No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm still here. Leave me alone."
2: Yeah, that's very much the thing. To like, I'm in, I'm in an interracial relationship. It's like I'm dating like a white guy, and I'm just like, "Oh, well, they they're like, oh, you could date." I thought like a speaking guy. I was like, we're not, we're, no, (laughs) we've been together for four years. We're not changing this bar, some unforeseen circumstance. Right, right.
0: Yeah.
1: Gosh, that makes the whole question so much more complex, doesn't it? Because it's like, it's not just about learning this language. It's about then dealing with all the potential expectations that would come with being able to speak that language. That makes so much sense. Yeah.
0: Hema, anything else that you feel like we need to know before we jump into the meat of this conversation?
2: I feel like it was just helpful to hear Casper summarize it that way and be like, oh, this is really about like expectations that come with that rather than just the language itself. Because when I talk to anyone else and it's like, oh, what about like this language? They're like, yeah, you should learn it. Like, Mm. that seems like such an easy (laughs) answer, right? And uh, when I first came up with the question, like my first was like, is it too late to learn the language? And I'm like, obviously the answer is no to that. Like, (laughs) that's not the question that I'm asking. (laughs) So it was really helpful to hear it framed that way, that it is complicated when I think about it because of all of the other things attached.
0: Well, why don't we turn to our first text? to help us with this conversation. Yeah, so my first source
2: is Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. She is a member of the Potawatomi Nation and a botanist. This is a really, really beautiful book where she talks about how both of those things combined help her understand nature better. And in this chapter, this is called Learning the Grammar of Animacy. She really talks about trying to learn Potawatomi which is really hard. She talks about going to this conference to learn the language and every living speaker of Potawatomi is there and there are nine of them. So this, this excerpt is from one of the elders talking to them like about the language. A great-grandmother from the circle pushes her walker up close to the microphone. It's not just the words that will be lost, she says. The language is the heart of our culture. It holds our thoughts, our way of seeing the world. It's too beautiful for English to explain.
1: Hmm. hmm. So why did you choose this text?
2: So this is like the kind of story that really pulls me towards wanting to learn the language, you know? Because like, especially the it's too beautiful for English to explain. And with the history of like colonization especially Mm -hmm. obviously like much much worse for native peoples here because like I said Telugu like isn't isn't a dying language by by any means it made me realize the privilege of that is like oh if I learned to to speak I would have so many people Mm. to speak to like my entire family so many communities like lots of pieces of art that I would have the privilege of understanding on a better level but I do think it's true that when, like, India was colonized by the British, like, they do try to, like, kind of wipe that stuff out. And, like, because speaking with people who have come here from India, they talk about the schooling system and how you can, in secondary school, you can choose whether the language through which you are taught your classes is English or Telugu. And so they call that English medium or Telugu medium. Mm. And most people will like choose English medium because they think, and it does probably give them better opportunities or more opportunities in the job market.
0: You know, Emma, one of the things that you said in our first section of the conversation was that you're afraid of being changed. And the examples that you gave were You don't want your family to treat you differently and to have different expectations of you. But what's so interesting about this quote that you brought is that the language holds our thoughts and our ways of seeing the world. And I'm wondering if you're also worried that learning the language will change your thoughts or your way of seeing the world, will change the way that you think. I I think that is actually like very true.
2: Or maybe I'm also like scared what the thoughts are or what the like way of seeing the world is. It's not like I've been totally like ignorant of all of the beliefs that come from somewhere, but I was like, oh, it would be interesting if there are different beliefs than the more conservative ones that I've grown up with, if I look back far enough or if I just like look at from different sources. But what if then there's also the quote, like, what if there's not? What if what if like this is this is the thing we're all about like traditional family values over here
1: that feels so connected to this text because in in Braiding Sweetgrass, right the quote that says it's the heart of our culture. The language is the heart of the culture. And so yeah there's this real connection between the values and the the norms of the community and the culture that's so integral to the language. So it feels like this is that boundary that we were talking about of like can you have one without the other, or at least yeah. you know navigate choices with, within within the culture, within the broader community? yeah
0: If you had infinite time, like if I told you that you were going to live for five hundred years, would you want to learn? The Lugo, or is this not about time? I think if I had infinite time, I would. I think Mm
2: -hmm. because of limited time, you have to like prioritize, right? Right. What you want to do in your life. And it's like, is this a high enough priority for me to want to do this in my lifetime?
1: I have a question that's related to this, this theme of time, which is, you know, usually we think about languages like I speak it or I don't speak it. And you are not in either of those extremes. There's like a little middle ground and maybe you want to move more in another direction. That's that's the question. But I would love to ask you if you were going to say, I am never going to be a fluent speaker without an accent. I'm just not. I would have to move probably in a place where everyone spoke, right? Like all the associations of what that would take. And at the same time, I'm unsatisfied by where I am now. Like, it feels like there's something missing. Could you describe what that medium would look like?
2: Yes. One thing I would love to be able to do is to be able to read. As I know basic letters, I could probably read very slowly, but I can't actually read sentences or read a book. I would love to be able to read. And I think there is, like, a pretty strong, like, literary canon, And a lot of, like, poems and songs that Mm. even when we learned as children, like, my dad would teach us by teaching us poems to learn. I would love to be able to understand more complex language. I can't even really understand songs because they use such, like, poetic language and everything. So I'd love to be able Mm. to do that. I can watch movies without subtitles, but... I can't, like, understand the songs when they're playing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there is, like, there are kind of more concrete goals that I hadn't really thought about seeing it that way before. It Mm -hmm. felt like an all-or-nothing type of Mm -hmm. deal. Well,
1: and it also relates so much, because when you've talked about language, you've talked about your father's poetry, and I'm just seeing that reading skill as opening that door as well of, like, being able to appreciate and understand both his art, but also a different part of him, maybe. So I really love that that was, yeah, that that's where your mind went with the reading, as well as then the, the poetic art. Like, I'm like, Artie Telugu, that, yeah. that's a new category in my brain. Um.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the artie language.
1: But it's often where the soul of the language lives, right? Like, I'm just resonating yeah, with right. this so much because my my mother tongue is Dutch. And at, like you, when I went to preschool, I only spoke Dutch. Now, the reaction from the teachers in my context was very different. And they didn't ask my parents to change that. And I think because they were like, well, he'll be here all day. So, like, he'll speak English in no time, which I did. Yeah. But it's always meant that, like, especially poetry, in Dutch, just, like, unlock something in my heart in a way that's different from English. And and it's not that, like, Dutch is this great poetic language, per se, but but that I really understand that sense that there's something, there's, like, a key in there that unlocks something in the language, in me, and in, in people I love. So, yeah, totally. I, I love that that's the direction where, where you would go as the medium. I think that's beautiful.
2: Yeah. I feel like it's the phrases and idioms, too. Like, idioms are so, like language specific and culture specific, like learning a new one in a different language, I feel like always opens up it's like, oh, that's how they think about, mm-hmm. about this thing.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a book that I really love called When in French, and it's a memoir of a woman who was married to a Swiss French man, and their relationship was in English until they moved to France and she had to start speaking French, and so she asked him to speak in French to her. It's about her changing, right, and becoming more French and the mixed feelings with that. But the book is overall about the gifts of it, that she got to fall in love with her husband in his language and see all these different sides of him that she didn't know about him. But learning a new language, I think especially as an adult, can really train you, right? You learn certain expressions, and it does. It opens up the world to you. And I... It makes sense to me since you've spent, it sounds to me like you've spent a lot of your life sort of separating yourself from your family in a lot of ways. And so saying, like, I don't know how this would change me and it might sort of drag me back. Yeah, I I really, I really understand that. Yeah, I think that is definitely That is definitely
2: the fear. Because this whole chapter, like I said, it was called Learning the Grammar of Animacy. She's talking about how in Potawatomi, they don't gender nouns. They don't, like, gender different things. There are animate things and inanimate things. And that's such a deep-seated difference in values and in culture. And I already know that 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 sort of thing doesn't exist in Telugu. Like, we do gender nouns, like... The things that are inanimate in English are inanimate in Telugu as far as I know. So I would be excited to learn if that's not true, but I guess I'm scared that it, it
0: just is. Right. Emma, is there anything else that you feel like we didn't get to in this text? No, I feel like
2: I feel like we've looked at it. I'm excited to see how the other one compares.
0: Well, great. Let's move on to our next text.
1: So, Hima, it's time to look at your second text. What have you chosen for us today and why?
2: So, my second text is from the CW television show Jane the Virgin. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And it's from the pilot episode. And it's a scene where you kind of establish the language dynamic of the Villanueva household. Her grandmother Alba speaks in Spanish, and Ziomara and Jane both respond in English. So this scene is just kind of setting that up. Ay, ay,
0: ay. At least you can turn it down. Mom, she doesn't have to watch if she doesn't want to. Of course I'm going to watch. You guys got me hooked on these things. But you really have to know telenovelas have ruined romance for me. Shh, shh, shh. A
2: pesar de las circunstancias,
1: So why did you choose this amazing text, Hima?
2: (laughs) Jane the Virgin was really the first representation I can remember seeing of this kind of language dynamic in a household. And there is a Telugu community where I grew up, but not a very big one. And we didn't really talk about language dynamics in our houses very much. So I just assumed the kids spoke the lugu with their parents. Hmm. I just assumed people were better than me. But seeing this in Jane the Virgin, where Alba is speaking in Spanish and Ziomata and Jane are responding in English, it showed me that this is normal. Like, this isn't just a me problem. It's not just a me thing. It's not just a Telugu thing. It's not just an Indian thing. Like, this is just a broad immigrant dynamic that ends up happening. Yeah. And, like, in this scene, and I think throughout the show, Alba never really judges Ziomata or Jane Hmm. for it. And so having like that support, but they also support each other, like in the scene, right? Like Jane comes into the scene saying, I, and so, so there's still like those little cadences, little, little bits. Alba says grilled cheese. She doesn't use like the mm-hmm. Spanish mm-hmm. word for that. Like, so they're, they're kind of like meeting each other in some of those ways. And I think that's really, it's just a really lovely dynamic to see and feel supported by.
0: Yeah. It's how my kids are. Their mom speaks to them in French. Their dad speaks to them in German. And they understand everything, but they answer 100% in English. And it is, we're, we're heading to Germany in a few weeks. And I'm leaving two days before the girls are. And we were on a walk recently. And they were like, Vanessa, I'm so sad that you're leaving before us. And I was like, aw. And they were like, we're going to have to speak in German if you're not there. And I was like, oh, that's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, I was investigating with that. I was like, what? You guys are fluent in German. And they were like, no, people are going to notice. And essentially, they feel like they were better when they were little. Mm -hmm. And they're 10 and 14 now. And they're like, my German isn't as good. And they're embarrassed about the fact that they feel like people are going to be like, why were you good at this at three? And now at 14, you're worse. Yeah. So
2: my dad's friend, he speaks Telugu. He married a woman who speaks Bengali their kids speak both. They speak Telugu, Bengali, and English. And they just code switch, right? They just switch from parent to parent. And we went to visit them, and they immediately talked to me in English. And I was like, what vibe am I giving off? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: how could you tell? Oh, it's so annoying. (laughs) It's so (laughs) annoying.
1: (laughs) 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 The thing that strikes me about this text is that it's not just a representation that you identified with, but it's It also kind of casts a vision of what might be. And I'm wondering if there's an attraction to this text, because this is what you would like, that there is that grilled cheese in English and mija's in in Spanish, right? Like there's that give and take that you mentioned. Is this what you would like your own home to look like with your partner? Or like, is this what it would be like with your parents? Yeah. how, How would you like something like this to live, if at all?
2: I feel like this is sort of what it is with my parents right now. Like my parents definitely only like mix Telugu English. There are some things that like food, especially I, I use Telugu words because yeah. so if we shop at the Indian grocery store, we just not all of them are the same. And that's how I grew up knowing what these foods were. So there is kind of that give and take right now. And it made me feel better about that, like yeah. where I am right now and it also like i like what you said about a vision of for the future like like i said i'm not in a relationship with someone who speaks telugu but i do want my children to be like exposed to it and to like know that it exists and to know what some of the words are yeah. so it would be a nice like vision for a kind of mixture teluglish
1: i love that for, teluglish <laughs> for my yes. family
2: well, and also because
1: there are some things that, like, only exist in a particular language, like a food, for example, which has such a specific mm-hmm. context. In Dutch, there's, like, pre-dinner drinks and nibbles, which is called borrel. And, like, my husband learned that word and will use it and be like, oh, it's time for borrel. And, like, it makes me so happy. And it's like, he doesn't speak it fluently, but, like... Even him knowing that word helps me feel more comfortable in that identity. So I love that idea of yeah. If you do have kids or you know in a home in the future that there are those pieces of the culture that that come with you with that language. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I'm also struck by this scene. What they're bonding over is a piece of art, which is one of the things mm-hmm. that you outlined as wanting to engage with better in Telugu, but also it's one of the things that you already know how to do. You said, right, you can watch TV and understand without subtitles. And so if, you know, we're talking about, you know, Casper's middle ground, this picture is beautiful and it's something that you're already doing, right? You already use conversational Telugu. You already can watch TV. And so it could be just about this, like, hey, I am keeping this tradition alive. I am watching TV with, you know, maybe the the subtitles go on for your partner's sake. But right, like I am engaging in this way. Mm. And other things potentially have to be let go of. I mean, even your father's poems, would you feel comfortable asking someone to translate them for you? I think some
2: people have, like, he's like reached out to people about like translating them in English. And I've read ones that he has like translated in English Mm -hmm. before.
0: And how did that feel? Did that feel like you were getting a sense of what they said or that you were like mostly missing?
2: I was like wondering if I was missing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I heard him say it and then I was like, Oh, it sounds much better
0: Mm -hmm.
2: that way. And especially when he reads it, reading it in your own language definitely gives off a lot more personality and insight
0: yeah
1: can i be a recipe book and you can flip past me up to a different page if this doesn't vibe but like what would it feel like to learn how to recite one of his poems not all of them but like one of them
2: that seems really really nice like he even actually (laughs) this would be presumptuous of me but in his like first book he there is a poem about me as like a baby. And I've never read that.
1: Himma, <laughs> hello. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful.
2: Ah, oh, that's so gorgeous. That actually might, if it's, I'm sure it's nice. I'm not sure why I'm saying if it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, maybe that would be like a nice way to like make myself feel better when I'm feeling down or feeling even like disconnected from them. It's like, mm-hmm. That would be a nice kind of mantra to have if it was just, like, his words. I had never thought about that before, but that's a really good idea.
1: Well, now you're making me cry. I love that he has a poem about you. <laughs> and then it's, like, a bridge from him to you when you a baby, and now it's a bridge from you to them. And, like, ugh, that's lovely.
0: Part of what's so interesting also about this situation are that three generations are... Mm represented and you are the Siomara generation, right? In in yeah. this, right? Alba is the immigrant who is mostly speaking in Spanish in the house. I haven't seen the show in a while, so I don't remember if Siomara was born in the United States, was she? I think so, yeah. Okay. And so Siomara is right like like you, born here first generation. Whereas Jane is living with her abuela who speaks Spanish, but she has an English speaking mother. And Siomara, like this is like very typical generational responses, right? Like Siomara is like, mom, she doesn't have to watch the telenovela. And is like really protecting her daughter, right? And so I it's just interesting. I I think that you said that you feel seen in this scene, in this moment in a TV <laughs> show. And I just like wanna reflect like I think that you are actually kind of trying to bridge the Xiomara and Jane reaction to Alba. And it's hard. Like, this is diaspora. You know, this is so personal for you. And I, I know that Casper and I, as children of immigrants, also feel this, these exact tensions. And one of the things I want for you is to cut yourself some slack, like, Xiomara in the show has no regrets about the fact that she is walking around and trying to live completely as an American woman.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know why I'd always thought about myself as Jane, but you're like, oh, I am Xiomara. Like, that is the, like, the point in the, in the generations at which I am. But I just always
0: thought it was, it was Jane I mean, I'm sure you are Jane in a million ways, but (laughs) in this one way, right? Like you're Siomara. and Siomara, if I remember the show correctly, has like a lot of resentments about her mom and like Siomara really rebelled against her mom's Catholicism, whereas like Jane is trying to live within it. And so like these rebellions are normal for first generation immigrants. That really makes me like think more about
2: Xiomara's story and- and really feel like that connection to her, and how that really is true—that she is like, she's the one that has a more complicated relationship with Alaba, mm-hmm. and that that's okay. They like bridge that later in life, and that that actually like gives me a lot of a lot of hope.
0: And there are a lot of different ways to bridge it. I think that Casper's given yeah. you some really beautiful options, right? Of. Like just sitting and translating one poem and sitting in whatever that middle ground is and, you know, cooking certain foods and watching certain shows. And, you know, it doesn't have to be this fluency, especially because, sorry to say, unless you solve this, you're not going to live forever. (laughs) Work on it. (laughs) Or taking a step in to this like sea of a new language, it sounds like could feel like the risk of an undertow that it would mm-hmm. just like pull you back.
2: Mm. Yeah. I really like that. We've, we've come. Cause I, I had said before, I had been thinking about it as sort of all or nothing. Yeah. But I think through our conversation, I've been like, Oh no, there are like smaller concrete goals yeah. that I could set that would like bring me to a middle ground where I just am comfortable with where I am, Mm. and that I'm able to do more of what I want to do, but I don't have to do everything. Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: And then maybe, you know, to go back to braiding sweetgrass, the language will pull you in, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll be like, do you know what? This language is the heart of something. And like, it holds my thoughts and I need to know, or you might find out that it isn't that for you. And that, right, like, that's fine, too.
1: You're like, actually, it's medical textbooks. (laughs) The poetry. No, I mean, genuinely, right? Like, if I can use that language, like, our souls live in all sorts of expressions and, like, finding the place. Maybe it's in the fiber arts.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Emma, our conversation has spanned across these two texts and all sorts of other questions, but I'm curious if you're thinking about the question that you brought to this conversation, is there a kind of next step that feels like it has emerged for you or something that you're like, I think this is what I want to do?
2: Yeah, so the question that I had, like, brought up earlier was, should I even learn it, right? And I think that was very indicative of that all-or-nothing approach I was thinking of. So now it's much easier to think about it, like, What parts of it do I want to learn? It's like, what small steps can I take? Can I just learn this one poem and feel more connected through that way and not have to just take, take everything at the same time?
0: Well, Hema, I'm really selfishly glad that one of the languages that you are going to learn is general medicine. We are at a crisis in this country with a lack of family Seriously. practitioners. So thank you. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. It was really a delight. And keep us posted.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so,
0: so much for talking with me. This was, it was very,
2: very helpful. Like I had imagined the the questions you would ask, and I still couldn't <laughs> imagine that we would get to this point because I just in one brain... <laughs>
1: Turns out we need each other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Three yes. brains, sometimes better than one.
1: Thank you again, Himar, and we'll see you soon.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, Casper, one last text to put into conversation here, which is the maxim to think too long about doing a thing often becomes its undoing, which felt apt for today and was sent in by Ava Young.
1: Wow, I feel very attacked by that maxim.
0: Well, you should talk about that more later. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Ava. You've been listening to the Real Question. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com/slash RealQuestionPod, and if you love the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at RealQuestionPod and on Twitter at the Real Q Pod. A special shout out to our fabulous BFF tier patrons: Ari Bitty, Becky Boo, Kristen Hall, Jenny Cruz, Stephanie Fedewish, Mary Margaret. Eloise Faring Ashley Mail, Effie Howe Amanda Schramm and Laura Lorber we are a Not Sorry production with an executive producer all hail the great Ariane Nettleman we're mixed by Erica Wong our music is by Nick Ball and we are distributed by Acast a special thanks to Hima for joining us today and as always thanks to Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan Laura Glass AJ Uramas, Gabby Aori and Stephanie Paulsell thank you everyone bye bye
0: Hi, everybody. I'm dropping into your feed to let you know that starting June 23rd, you are invited to a class called Discovering Your Own Patron Saints, a guided workshop with Natalie Folkerts. In this six-session class, you will explore beloved characters from literature who have jumped off the page and made their way into the moral fabric of your life. The first week of this class, you're going to explore what we mean by Patron Saints, and then each subsequent week will be devoted to a different value, wonder, imagination, grief, and courage. If you are seeking spiritual guidance outside of the constraints of formal religion, if you are someone who finishes a novel and feels like you have said goodbye to new friends, then this class is for you. Register before the first class on June 23rd by going to notsorryworks.com. That's N O T S O R R Y W O R K S.com.